0: When it comes to investing, retirement, and legacy planning, the decisions you make today can greatly impact the quality of life for both you and your loved ones tomorrow. Good news. you found the Growing Your Wealth radio show with Brian Evans. Brian is the founder of Madrona Financial Services, and with his background as a CPA, he brings a unique perspective to the investment and financial planning world. So get ready for an hour full of the most comprehensive financial information on the radio. Welcome to Growing Your Wealth
1: with Brian Evans. Thank you so much, and welcome to Growing Your Wealth, the radio show that gives you the straight talk and honest answers you need to invest better, live better, retire better, and give better. My name is Jeff Shade, and I'm just here to ask the questions, but of course, the words of wisdom and solid advice come from the expert Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. How you doing today, Brian? Doing great. Thanks, Jeff. Always glad to hear that, Brian. I hope our listeners are doing well today. We've got another great show lined up for us today. And as we've said many times, our show, of course, is available as a podcast. So if you've missed any part of the program today, you want to hear it all over again. Simply go to wherever you get your podcast and search Growing Your Wealth, Brian Evans, and we've got more than 100 shows for you right there. Brian, I always like these shows when we have special guests, and I understand that we have one in the studio today.
2: Yeah, we we do. Uh, Recently, we had a special guest, Paul Grant, a state attorney, and got really good feedback on that show. Really, we're able to do a deep dive on things. You know, we're not attorneys here at Madrona Financial, so really great to do a deep dive. Another thing we are not is real estate agents, real estate brokers, and that kind of thing. We talk about real estate a lot on this show, so today we're going to do a deep dive into commercial and investment real estate. And so I'm going to allow my guest to introduce himself and tell us a little bit more about what he does.
3: Well, thanks, Brian, for having me. My name is Derek Doak. I'm a recovering tax professional. Back in the day, uh, I got out of school because I was told to get a job with benefits. And started working for Deloitte & Touche International in international taxes and doing tax strategies for development companies in the South Pacific. Today, I'm the executive vice president for NAI Puget Sound Properties, located here in Bellevue, Washington, and our primary focus is helping individuals and institutions maximize their cash flow from investment properties.
2: Well, this should be an exciting show. You got a CPA and a recovering CPA uh, both in the same studio at the same time. Now, now that's the recipe for for an exciting show. Now I'm teasing you, Derek. Yeah, I wanted to, to have you on this show for a number of reasons. As we talk about in this show, there's essentially five asset classes, broad asset classes someone can invest in. The biggest one in the in the world is the bond market, surprisingly. There's more money borrowed than invested into equities. The second biggest is equities, the stock market. Third biggest investment category is investment real estate. Uh, the fourth biggest is insurance company products, and the fifth is cash and cash equivalents. So doing a deep dive into real estate, I think uh, a lot of our our listeners own real estate outside of their principal residence. They invest in real estate whether as an active participant, a landlord, or maybe passively through a real estate investment trust, a REIT, a mutual fund, or a DST, a Delaware statutory trust and 1031 exchanges. So so lots to talk about on the real estate front here and and so I thought I'd just kind of kick it off as is, is uh, when we're looking at investment real estate, a lot of times we, we need to talk about where are you at? Before we talk about what you're going to do in the future, where are you at now? And one of the, the topics that comes up is return on equity. So Derek, maybe you could take a little dive into that.
3: Yeah, absolutely. The return on equity really is a hyper-focused look at what you're getting on the current value or equity in that property. And where I think a lot of mistakes are made in valuations is owners look at it and they see what they paid for it, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, and they see the cash flow they're getting and saying, great, this thing's paying me 10, 15, 20%. But you and I both know when we've done a lot of tax returns for these individuals and we look at what their basis is in this property, so what they paid for it and what their cash flow is on the rental side, their return is not 15%, You know, When you look at what the value is today, that return could be 1% or 2%. So if you have a property, for example, a client I worked on, the house they had was a rental, it was a $3 million value of that property and they are getting $2,000 a month in rental income. Now, they only paid $165,000 for this house. So they're looking at $24,000 of rental income. And again, that doesn't include the expenses of taxes and so forth. So their net was really less than that. But let's take the $24,000 mark, and they paid 165 dollars 30 years ago. They think they're getting a great return on their money. But in fact, that house is worth $3 million. So the return on that equity was less than 1%. So really understanding your starting point of your return on your current value, of that asset you have is kind of what you want to have the conversation with somebody like yourself on the financial advising side of saying, what is my property worth first? And is there something better I can do.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. Because I've I've had this many, many times where somebody said, I'll ask them, what's, what's their return? And they'll give me a double digit number. And okay, well, how did you compute that? And just like you said, it's my gross rents divided by what I paid well, it's actually your net rents after expenses divided by what it's worth, not the other way. And very often, uh, that number is, you know, they might go, well, I'm not really sure what that is. And I say, well, here's a way to calculate it. Let's pull some tax returns here. Let's just look at the bottom line and add back uh, depreciation to that and see, you know, your net income, let's say you. You got that $24,000 a year, and they had a bunch of expenses, management fees, repairs, whatever. And sometimes repairs, you know, you'll you'll have nothing, nothing, and then 50000 You know, it's like yeah. uh, that's why you might want to pull several years to really kind of get a, an indication there. But very often what I find is people in the Puget Sound region are on their investment real estate at zero to two and a half or three percent. Maybe on the top end, and a lot of times it's it's one or two, just because. Oh yeah, well, it is an older building, and I bought it twenty five years ago, and it was twenty five years old when I bought it, so it's fifty year old building. Yeah, I got a lot of repairs. I've spent. I do a lot myself, though, and of course, I got an HVAC and an elevator. I'm going to have to replace in the next couple of years due to regulations in the state and so forth, and boy, I don't know where that money's going to come from. And you know, on and on and on, you go, okay, your return on investment is actually going to be zero or negative in the years ahead. Is that what you want? I mean, maybe it is because maybe you say, yeah, but it's appreciating. And I think the market's going to appreciate 10% a year for the next 10 years. Well, great. You probably want to hang on to that thing, even though your cash flow stinks, but the comeback might be but I'm all about cash flow right now because I'm already worth plenty. I got plenty of net worth. So one of the things, of course, Derek, that I'm sure you, you deal with when talking to your clients is figuring out what is it that you want? Yeah, absolutely. I mean,
3: it's, it's a lifestyle, right? And I know from my tax days, most of the wealth created by my clients and even myself personally had been my real estate. It hasn't been my job. It hasn't been my side hustles. It's been my real estate aside from personal residence and i think that's important for people to understand and when you look at the valuation and you mentioned an example there of somebody looking at the appreciation side of things i mean it's it's important that you look at the valuation of your property from two perspectives one is cash flow but also what is the highest and best use of that property is that land worth more than what the property is worth so there's a lot of analysis that goes into it
2: yeah you know another thing about i've had people say well i don't want to sell because uh, i like owning real estate you can continue to be in real estate Maybe you don't want to be in that particular piece of real estate. Maybe it's too old, has a lot of deferred maintenance. Maybe you feel like the cap rates, the, the rate of return that you're receiving in this market is about as low as it's ever going to be. And that means the valuation of your property is as high as it's going to be for a while. Maybe you think it's going to cap out. Maybe you just don't want to be in it. We'll talk about, as the show goes on, reasons why you would potentially want to sell. But again, the first thing that I feel like you need to do is identify what you have. What do you have? What is your cash flow? What is your outlook? What's your projection? Because I just I mentioned something just a minute ago about a very personal situation. I had a piece of real estate that I knew the HVAC and the elevator were going to have to be replaced. And my partners weren't going to have the money to come up with to do that. So I was like, hmm, maybe I don't want to own an office building post COVID that needs a new HVAC and an elevator in a building that's older than me. And last time I looked, I'm not a young man anymore. So I'm saying, <laughs> uh, we got a little deferred maintenance thing going on here and, and it's, it's going to be a very negative cash flowing engagement and I thought the markets were really good to sell and it turned out to be a really good thing to let someone else take that on knowing you know they knew what they were getting into and that's fine. There's no good and bad real estate. I mean, sometimes real estate's really good for a moment in time for you or a particular purpose or whatever, and at other times it's not the right kind of real estate. So that can be transitory too, and, and an important consideration to consider. Uh, you talked a little bit about cash flow. Are there anything someone can do to kind of help maximize cash flow on their their investment real estate?
3: Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's there's a couple of ways to maximize your cash flow. Right. One is your rental rate. You could always increase the rents, but is that going to drive away the tenants that you have, whether it's residential or commercial? And so you're always looking at being sensitive to what the market can pay. The second one is your expenses. Are you maximizing your expenses? Meaning are you looking at every expense and analyzing it to make sure you're getting the best costs associated with maintaining that property? What I've noticed in my own experience is that sometimes vendors get complacent and comfortable with you if they've been with you for many years. So you always want to spot check those individuals that are doing work on your property and making sure they're doing what they say they're going to do because that's another area to negotiate and get your cash flow up. You want to reduce your expenses to get your cash flow up. So those are kind of the two main areas. And then you look at this the asset highest and best use. Are you using it for the right purpose, right? You could have a single family residence on a lot that would allow you to put a fourplex or a sixplex or eight units, whatever it might be, So you might want to look at that and say, can I maximize this by doing a redevelopment and maximizing cash flow that way? Now, it gets very tricky because we all know construction costs is is an unknown. There's a lot of unknowns with that strategy. And it's always great to talk about at a cocktail party and get excited about doing a redevelopment. But those of us have done it, and I know you've done some, Brian, it's not that fun. And so you got to have the right mindset of getting to that level. And that's where you look at that valuation. Maybe it's better than to potentially sell that lot with that vision And then put that money somewhere else. And I know we'll talk about Delaware statutory trust down the road, but that could be another avenue to increase your cash flow as well and get out of the day-to-day management.
2: Yeah, I'll have to correct you. I've never done a redevelopment. I will never do one. That is not my lane. I'm going to stay in my lane. But you're right. I mean, if, if I did own a single family residence on, on, and somebody came to me and said, well, this could be a, an eightplex and, and it's a really growing area and so forth. The first thought in my mind, I'd say, well, maybe it should be that, you know, it's highest and best use. I'm not gonna be the one to do that. I'm gonna get my value out at this point and let a developer do that. Then I will take my money and do something else with it that, that is more conducive to my lifestyle and what what I want to do. Yeah, that just the thought of that, as soon as you said that, I just cringe, like, oh please. In this environment to try and do a redevelopment, let's see, zoning, uh oh boy. The supply chain, labor, management, construction, all this stuff. I would want nothing to do with that in my world, but other people—that is their world, right? And so that—that that is where that what they should be doing and what they they might be looking to do. So again, just assessing where you're at, what you want to do. We're going to talk about lifestyle a little bit here uh, after the break, but uh, these are really important to know where you're at, what your rents are. And, and as you mentioned, I, d- I did want to talk a little bit about rents and, and a lot of the feedback I get on where they are. And I want to talk about property management rates. You know, I think a lot of people like to hear more about that. So we'll get to that. some of those topics when we return after the break.
1: If taxes are keeping you from selling your highly appreciated income property, Badrona Financial Services has an exciting offer for commercial real estate owners. We have a team that's solely dedicated to helping real estate investors defer the taxes on the sale of their highly appreciated income property with a Delaware Statutory Trust. A DST qualifies as a 1031 like-kind exchange, so you can potentially defer your gains and reinvest them in income-producing commercial properties. And best of all, you can invest in a DST without any of the hassles or responsibilities of being a landlord or property manager. When you work with Madrona Financial Services, you'll be working with a team of CPAs and investment advisors with extensive DST experience. Now, you have the freedom to sell your highly appreciated income property, still enjoy the benefits of investing in real estate, and potentially defer the taxes on your income property with a 1031 exchange. Learn more at 844 Madrona or visit us at madrona1031.com. Tired
0: of getting only half the story? We've got you covered with the most comprehensive financial information on the radio. You're listening to Growing Your Wealth with your host, Brian Evans. Now,
2: here's Brian. Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. And today we have a special guest, Derek Doke, and we're talking investment real estate really interesting topic to me because we do talk a lot about real estate on this show. One of the reasons we do is because a lot of people that are successful investors have real estate as part of their portfolio. A lot of people with small businesses have real estate as part of their portfolio. Even if you're not a landlord, you may have real estate investment trusts, uh, REITs, uh, Delaware Statutory Trust, different ownerships of real estate in your portfolio outside of your principal residence. So I think it's a really important topic, especially in the Puget Sound Region, a lot of wealth has been created through real estate. Probably, you know, you think about the three main creators of wealth in uh, Puget Sound. You know, technology companies I, I think have created a lot of wealth, obviously. And real estate has gone ballistic <laughs> in our area, so that's another area. Small businesses, a lot of people start businesses up here. A very entrepreneurial part of the country. I think that is why we have so many technology companies here. I think it just rains a lot, and as kids, we we're stuck inside. We're not playing baseball outside we're sitting on a computer and you know bill gates and all these people are inventing things on computers rather than uh, learning how to hit a curveball so maybe that's it maybe the rain uh, contributed to the entrepreneurial spirit of our, our region i'm not really sure but i wanted to get a little bit more into talking about cash flow one of the things i I hear over and over, Derek, is about rents and raising rents when you have a good tenant' Because people say, "Oh, my return's not very good. Well, I haven't raised a rent ten years, but it's good tenant and so forth. That's a tough one for a lot of folks. Yep. Maybe you could talk to that
3: yeah, absolutely the uh, mindset the mindset around renters the question's always, would you rather have your building full or would you rather have your building at ninety ninety five percent occupied and higher rents?" And if you talk to the professional investors, especially on residential, on apartments, is if you're not at 5% vacancy, then you're not pushing the rents enough, and there's money left on the table. So you kind of want to analyze that. So uh, you talked about property management before, too, and working with a good property management company that understands that or understands how to look at the market and help you get better rents is part of your team when you put your team together. So the rents in the Puget Sound definitely have been being pushed especially in the core Puget Sound. If you start even heading east and you start going across the mountains on the other side, you start feeling it as well where the rents have climbed quite a bit as it relates to residential. The commercial market as it relates to office rents, office rents are interesting. Depends on who you talk to because you see all these large leases getting done in the core marketplaces by all the large institutions that we can all name. But the smaller offices where you see the smaller spaces, people are questioning, do I really need to have that much space? So you see the rents coming down a little bit there. And for the right space, it will rent. But, you know, you, you really have to kind of look at it. If you're an owner of an office building, and this is a conversation I'm having quite a bit. And you mentioned it earlier uh, in this show is they're evaluating, do I want to own this small office building? Because do I think tenants are going to come back? And no one knows the answer to that. You know, your gut feel is that they will as we open up and do more things. So office is a little tougher. You look at industrial, industrial rents in the Kent Valley and other marketplaces have really gone up, it's Mm -hmm. skyrocketing. Shells are renting now for what used to get for Shell and Cam on a per square foot basis. So the rents in industrial has really gone up. And if the rates are going up, that means the NOI is going up and the cap rates are coming down, that means the prices are going way up. So then that question begs, are we in a bubble in in the Puget Sound region? Is there a market here? You know, is the market there on the commercial side in a bubble? And are we going to have some expectations of anything falling out when notes come to reset and interest rates are going to start to climb? So that's the things that I'm watching for now with my clients is we're really looking at is now the time to look at moving those funds into something else or moving them out of the area.
2: Yeah, that's really interesting. And and when I talk about uh, rents and so forth, I'm not suggesting, you know, I'm not, we're not cold hearted here. It's it's what do you want? Do you want to maximize your return on investment? Well, then, yeah, you're right. Any like apartment complex through a REIT or a DST, none of them are at 100%. They're not going to be at 80%. That means their rents are too high. If they're 100 or too low, yeah, that sweet spot might be 92 to 96%, as you mentioned, yeah. right in there. I see that over and over. So, okay, that's their sweet spot because they're trying to. To maximize. Well, you might have some rental houses with some tenants that that you've gotten to know, and and they're they're almost like family or friends to you, or or you just care about them. And you, you know, it'd be put them in a tough spot if you raise the rents and. And so I'm not saying it's a bad thing if you didn't raise the rents. I'm just analyzing from a number standpoint, is this the best thing for you or is that part of your plan? If that's part of your plan, that's fine. There, there's nothing wrong with having below market rents if that is part of your financial plan and you're okay with that. So just, well, I did want to point that out because I don't want to sound like a cold hearted well, scourge here.
3: Well, and playing off of the feelings and emotion side of it, the drama. You know, There's a lot of drama that can go along with having a single family rental home oh, or yeah. a small Apartment complex, and that can take a toll on you as an investor. Yeah. If it's not your main business and you're not an institutional grade type investor, that's tough to get those phone calls and they have personal issues going on. They can't pay the rent because somebody lost a job or somebody got COVID. I mean, you know, you're right. I mean, we're human, and a lot of investors that we work with are in the same mindset as they want to help others out, and there's a lot of drama that goes along with that. Sometimes, and I think that has to play into what you charge in rents too. Is you're trying to maximize it, or are you just trying to hold on to it and kind of play in the middle there, in between?
2: Yeah, you might have lower rents because you have a no drama tenant, and that's okay too, because certainly the amount of drama I want to have in my life to get an extra $100 a month or whatever seems to decrease the older I get. Absolutely. (laughs) $100 a month was a big deal when I was 25 years old. Now I don't care. So I wouldn't want to have any drama for for extra money. And so much of this is lifestyle planning, which we'll talk about as we go forward here. Uh, One of the other questions I wanted to kind of talk about is property management. So a lot of people might say, well, you know, I just turn over to property manager. Well, you still have to make decisions and you still are responsible for major repairs. They're not going to write the check for you. Well, they'll write it, but you have to reimburse them. You know, it's, it's, so that's a big thing. Uh, what do you see in, in relation to property management fees?
3: Um, well, it, it depends on the service level you want to re- achieve. Right? You can have just what they call traditional property management where somebody just receives the income, pays the expenses, and then sends you the delta. So if there's any money left over, they'll send it to you. Then you have more of a property manager with asset management tied to it. And that's kind of groups like ours is focused on doing more of the management of the asset itself not just the property management. So property management fees can range, especially on residential anywhere from like one month. It's gotten higher. I need to say that because we talk about inflationary numbers and we're all seeing it today when we go to the gas pump and everywhere else. But it's the same thing in our service fees. Our service fees have gone up just because of the costs associated with maintaining assets. And in certain communities and in certain jurisdictions in the Puget Sound, it's even gotten more difficult because of things that have been pushed on us through whether it's you know, local municipalities or just requirements necessary in order to make that asset perform. So, management fees on commercial real estate can go anywhere from 3% to 8% on the annualized gross revenue. On a residence, you're seeing, you know, first month or even first two months is the fee to manage single family residential home. So, it's important that when you're looking at it from an investment perspective, you got to take into consideration those costs. Now, this is where the interesting part on investment strategies come in. For me, I only look at triple net investments, ones that are covered by the tenants, right? So they cover all your expenses associated with that property. You have a single family rental home and those listeners that, are, that have those, they know you can't bill back for taxes. You can't bill back for something happened with the sewer line or, you, you know, you just can't bill that back. So you've got to absorb that. And that comes into back what our original conversation was about. What's your true equity? What's your true return on that asset and deferred maintenance?
2: Yeah, it's a lot easier to compute on a triple net lease. And again, I'll define what a triple net is. And correct me if I'm, I'm off on this, Derek, but I, uh, it's where the uh, tenant will be paying the, the base rent. But in addition, they'll be paying their share of the property taxes, the insurance, repairs, the the utilities. Virtually every expense actually goes to the tenant. And it's a, a cam charge, they call it, and it's added onto your rent. So your rent might be. I'll just throw a number out uh, twenty dollars a square foot per year, and then on top of that, you might have another I don't know eight bucks or something like that. Uh, does that sound about right, there? Yeah, eight to ten dollars. Oh, okay, that's a good, pretty good guess there. I guess I'm pretty good with numbers still. Like, <laughs> the CPA and me is talking there, but yeah, so the rent is actually maybe it's not twenty bucks, it's thirty bucks because of the charges there. So it's really easy to compute what your rate of return is in that situation for the most part, as opposed to single family residence where not only are you responsible for all the expenses, but think about your time and your stress sometimes. Because if you're getting the phone calls and you're the one going out there, your time is worth something probably. I mean, you know, I would hope so. That is not on a tax return. You don't see, you don't put a valuation for your time and stress and just thinking about it. I have a lot of clients that own single family residence. You're taking a vacation. No, I can't go anywhere. I got... I got six houses i got i got to be around and the wife's looking at him going Ugh. <laughs> "You know, like i can never take a vacation because you have to change toilets and we have plenty of, of fair market value what what are we doing we're 70 years old we can't go on a vacation all of our friends go on vacations and and i did want to talk a little, little bit about that i mean do real estate people ever retire
3: i haven't seen them <laughs> You know, uh, and, and it's interesting because when I was in public accounting, a lot of the clients I had had real estate, but it was a side hustle. It wasn't what they did. The true professionals that I know that just do real estate for a living, they never retire. What we try to do is get them to think smaller so it reduces their stress level and it also gives them more freedom right? When we talk about lifestyle, and you and I have talked quite a bit about that. And I have not seen real estate professionals just hang it up and say, okay, I'm done. I'm living off my annuities and cash flow of everything else. And I'm never going to do another real estate deal. Ones I know have tried it, I usually get a phone call eight, nine months later and say, hey, I'm thinking about buying this piece of property. What do you think of it?
2: Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. And I, I kind of set you up for that because I knew, I knew the answer before I asked you. The real estate people, for a number of reasons, a lot of my real estate investors don't like the stock and bond market. So they they understand real estate, which has been great for them and so forth. Also, like if you work at a job, let's say, uh, for the school district or for Boeing or for wherever, you have a pension maybe. And uh, real estate people... Well, of course, they don't have pensions. Their pension is essentially their rental income from their properties. That is their cash flow in retirement. That is how they plan on, on living. So, you know, that's a, a, a component that they've always known about. That's, that's their whole life. And it's hard for them to kind of break away because it's, you know, you hire a property manager and okay, but that's expensive too. And so that cuts into the cash flow. So sometimes having an, an exit strategy from that, we'll be talking about doing a deep dive on DSTs, 1031s, other. exit strategy of paying the tax that's an exit strategy we'll talk about some of those when we return after the
1: break if you're an active real estate investor who's tired of dealing with toilets, tenants, and trash and would like to sell but you're worried about capital gains taxes, Madrona Financial Services may have a solution for you. It's called a Delaware statutory trust. Using the 1031 exchange with a DST, you can exchange your actively managed owned real estate into professionally managed passively owned real estate and defer the capital gains taxes. You get your monthly rent check but without the headaches of being an active landlord. The team at that- Droda Financial are highly experienced advisors and CPAs who thoroughly vet each DST property and guide you through the process to make sure it's done correctly. Don't let the fear of a large tax bill stop you from selling your highly appreciated investment real estate. Take the first step to see if a DST is right for you. Call for a complimentary no-obligation consultation at 844-MADRONA or find out more at madrona1031.com. That's madrona1031.com.
2: Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. And today our special guest is Derek Doak. We're talking about investment real estate, commercial real estate. We'll talk about different forms of real estate. You mentioned before the break some of the different asset classes. It's interesting. I was reading something about industrial parks. And they have stats on what Internet sales traffic is relative to the need for industrial parks and we are going to be woefully short on industrial parks and so that i you mentioned the prices are going up and are we had a in a bubble and all this stuff and and it just got me thinking about all the different asset classes that are out there i mean you can be you know rental houses and of course neighborhood by neighborhood could be a different rental house asset class, essentially, you know, fourplexes, plexes, small apartment buildings, large apartment buildings, industrial parks. You've got strip malls, of course, office buildings, medical office, mobile home uh, parks where the, the land leases, you got self-storage is a huge one. I, I believe we're the only country in the world that has self-storage as an asset class, by the way there's so many different cell phone towers, there's farmland, there's, there's so many different kinds of real estate. I must keep you kind of busy trying to track all the things. And then it's region by region from there.
3: Yeah. When you talk about it, as we mentioned the phrase, stay in your lane, real estate's the exact same thing, right? No matter what your profession is, whether you're an attorney or CPA or a real estate professional, you stay in your lane. You know, we have professionals out there that just focus on industrial, And advice I give to individuals that are looking for somebody to help them with their asset class is to find somebody who does their asset class, not just a generalist, because it is. It's very deep and it's very complex. You mentioned industrial and how we're getting almost a shortage of industrial because of all the things of this last mile concept for distributions, distribution centers for, you know, Amazon and others to be able to distribute goods to where they need to go to. I remember, I'm old enough to remember when they started doing PDFs and you started doing things that saying you don't need paper anymore. And you remember what happened to the paper business. It just boomed. It just took off. And more people were printing more paper than they were before. So um, I think industrial concept is the same thing, is that you need more industrial and more storage. It's just different types of facilities need to be created and developed to be able to support those businesses. But, you know, for me, my area of expertise is I focus on retail. I've got a lot of experience in retail and I don't try to advise on other asset classes for the most part. I still do because I own some of the other asset classes. But yeah, retail is kind of my lane that I stay in. And our group is focused on industrial retail and office. And so you mentioned a lot of stuff there. Cell towers. We, I went to a conference last week in New Orleans. And they had a guy there talking about cell towers. What an interesting business model. It's, the concept, I didn't really understand it. And when you listen to him talk, there's such a need for more spaces for cell towers to be able to move data faster. And that is the future. You're going to see more of that being built on top of buildings. they got these little ones that look like fire hydrants on the streets in the cities. It's crazy.
2: Yeah. And I wanted to bring that up because there is no perfect investment. There is no one size fits all, especially with real estate. And and you mentioned staying in your lane. I wanted to have you on the show because you're in a different lane than me for the most part. Um, you're, You're working directly with investors who are on the active side of things, which is great because that's where obviously the wealth has been created. A lot of wealth for a lot of people is in their real estate that they actively own. Now, there is a time in your life, certainly, where you may decide, well, that's been great, but what is wealth? And we've talked about this on the show quite a bit, defining what wealth is, because you know, I would contend that somebody with $5 million of net worth, $10 million, $20 million, they're going to eat the same steak as one another. They're going to be fine. They're, they're going to be able to drive a nice car and live in a nice house, all that stuff. Does an extra million dollars thrown onto their portfolio change their life? Well, Probably not once you get to a certain level. So maybe wealth is defined less by, you know, what's your net worth on your personal financial statement and more by how do you spend your time? What's your quality of life? What's your stress level? What are your commitments? What is your risk? How's your health? How's, how's your freedom from having to be around that phone when tenants are calling? What's your family life like? What are your hobbies? What is your legacy? What you know? There's so many things that go into what wealth can, uh, truly is. I'd just like to have this discussion. You know, as as people, uh, maybe uh, Derek, you can speak to some of the clients that you're talking with. They're maybe coming a, a, to a different age here, where your conversations when they were 40 might be different now that maybe they're in their 60s.
3: Yes, most definitely. I mean, I look at my own portfolio. I mean, I'm 55, and I started winding down my portfolio and putting investments in other things, you know, with help of talking to people like you you know which helped me and my wife strategize. So the clients I'm working with now aside from the institutions because the institutions are different. What's interesting about the institutional clients is they're buying the real estate on behalf of you as investors. So when you buy into a fund that invests in grade A industrial parks, you know, our group manages those industrial parks for those institutions. So those conversations are different than when I'm talking to a family who has, you know, the three of them own a bunch of properties together and now they're getting to that age where they're saying I don't want want to make decisions on new roofs. I don't want to make decisions on doing other things. Is there something else we can do with this? Or do we just hire an outside manager that runs it all? And then we get our checks. The hard part about that is now you got flexibility and you're not sure what that next check is going to be, how much it's going to be. It could change, you know, market changes, tenants move out, things like that happen. So those are the conversations we're having is more around the stability. What's the stability of that cash flow versus how much is it? It's like, Can I count on it? Is it going to be there for me? And especially I'm thinking about not working anymore. That's always a big conversation. I quit my job. Where's my check come from?
2: Right. That is is important. Real estate can offer, uh, even passive real estate can offer cash flow. You can't get from other, you know, even bond portfolio right now. They don't pay very well. CDs don't pay very well, money markets uh, next to nothing. So there's a lot of stock market, a lot of stocks don't pay a dividend, or if they do it's it's you know pretty low, 1 1 or 2%, whereas real estate generally speaking you can get a much higher cash flow, so it can be a really important component of a retirement plan. And you mentioned the team concept about property management is it's kind of a f- interesting full circle, so you might be listening and go, yeah, I've done some research on say self storage or uh, industrial park and I think uh, Internet sales are going to double in the next uh, six years. So I think the demand for industrial parks might double in six years. and, And there's just not enough being built to do that. I think prices will go up. Problem is, uh, I've got a two million dollar portfolio, and I want to allocate fifteen percent to that, and that's three hundred thousand. I haven't seen a lot of industrial parks or sell for sale for three hundred thousand. You seen any of those, Derek? Absolutely not. Oh, okay. So how do I get into that industrial park and the asset class I want to get into? So maybe you do it through a REIT, maybe you do it through a Delaware statutory trust. And you're right. The institution would go out and purchase that. But the institution that's purchasing it is not a property management firm. They farm that out to you. (laughs) Here's our full circle that they would they would have a company like yours manage that on behalf of their clients where they're able to take. Lots of investors pull their money and and buy multi, you know, hundred million dollar, billion dollar purchases of groups of assets. So now you've kind of got, you can get the best of both worlds where you have the asset class you want, you have the diversification, you get the cash flow. You've got the buyer with the the oomph, you know, with all the investment money. you got the property management through firms like yours that, that you work for. The whole thing kind of works together. So that is just kind of a general overview of how investing in commercial real estate can apply to virtually anybody.
3: Yeah. And plugging in where you fit, right, about staying in your lane, that's a great way of looking at it. As an investor working for another company outside of real estate, so real estate is not my true profession, and knowing that I want fifteen twenty percent of my worth to be invested in real estate outside of my personal residence, I'm not the right person in that mindset to go out and try and make my wealth on that real estate deal. It's teaming up with the right people that are, and so investing in taking those funds and investing them in something else. And an example I see a lot of is when I was involved with doing financial planning is you've got a husband a wife and they. Each bring their own house into a relationship, and they make one of them a rental. Well, mm-hmm. that rental house now is worth a million, million and a half dollars. They bought it years ago when they were a young single professional, and they decide which one they're going to keep. They move into one, and they rent the other. Well, now, if you're in that age bracket you're talking about, and you're thinking about considering long-term choices, it's like, do we want to keep that? or do we have, What's our purpose of that asset? Maybe there's something else we can do with that equity and move it somewhere.
2: It's funny you say that. The first thing that popped in my head was, ooh, if you rent that out for three years in one day, you've just lost your uh, exclusion from the gain on the sale of your principal residence because you've permanently turned it into a rental because you haven't lived in it two of the last five years to qualify. So my little CPA brain says, boy, there's another aspect of this, and, and certainly it's the tax consequences. There's tax consequences to keeping your former residence and keeping it as a rental for too long. And so that's something a lot of people don't think about. They just think it's a good investment. But then, you know, as we go back to the beginning of the show, when you start calculating, well, what's your actual return ROI? What's your return on investment? What's your cash flow from that? And you realize, boy, it's terrible. And I'm going to lose the exclusion. But I like owning this house. It's a nice house. Well, you can still own nice real estate. <laughs> you can sell a house uh, if the cash flow is not adequate for what you want and you don't really need that house for another reason. And you can reinvest those proceeds maybe into, one well, you know, take advantage of the the exclusion on the tax side. Or if you did keep it too long and it's a rental, okay, that's fine. You can always do a 1031 exchange. We, we'll be talking about that coming up here. But, yeah, the purpose of the real estate has to be figured out and, and what it's for and so forth. But then marrying in the tax side of things is really important, too. So when is the right time to sell investment property? I'm sure this is a conversation you have with a lot of folks.
3: Right. And and it's a conversation that comes up more and more as the markets have gotten, as they call it, crazier and crazier. But- to kind of put a pin in that idea of crazy. You look at what our rental rates are for commercial space here versus New York or San Francisco or even Chicago and some of these other areas, we're still cheap. And you look at the growth rate we're having. So investors, people are wondering who's coming here and buying these commercial properties. Who's coming from out of state to buy these versus local investors that have been investing here their whole careers are having a hard time buying it's the individuals that are coming from markets where they've seen this happen. They've seen the rates go for $30 a square foot for a retail space to $50, $60. And some places in San Francisco, it's $85 a square foot plus triple nets. I mean, so it's you can see it's happened in other markets and it kind of grows. So when they come in and an individual sits down, and they say, we've got this shopping center. We've had it in the family for 20, 30 years. We're thinking now is the time to sell. And the first question you always ask is, why now? Why do you want to sell? What's the purpose of selling your asset today? And then I always ask, have you talked to your advisor? And they go, that's why we're talking to you. I said, no, your financial advisor. I'm your real estate guy. You talk to me about your real estate. You want to talk to your advisor about where does this fit into your whole portfolio and where does this asset really help you? get to where you want to get to. Well, we haven't gotten that far. So that's usually the first step. And then when I talked about the the reasons why they're going to sell it, then it's really understanding what are your options to move that money into.
2: Yeah. And so when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about some of those options uh, once you've made that decision to sell uh, again after the break.
1: At Madrona Financial Services, we believe you should never worry about running out of money in retirement. Retirement should be spent doing what you love with the people you love. The CPAs and financial advisors at Padrona Financial Services want you to know that with proper financial planning, that's exactly what you can have. Their goal is to do everything they can to help you achieve a financially secure future. They have many tools and ways to help you reach your retirement goals, from guaranteed lifetime income streams and protection against market losses to alternative real estate investments and strategies to minimize your taxes. With the Madrona Bundle of Services, they have everything you'll need to plan for retirement under one roof. So schedule your complimentary meeting today and get back to enjoying your retirement. Call 844-MADRONA or visit madronafinancial.com. They'll arrange a meeting at one of their three convenient locations or conduct a virtual meeting if that works better for you. Take control of your financial future at madronafinancial.com.
2: Welcome back to the show. I'm Brian Evans, CEO of Madrona Financial Services and Bauer Evans CPAs. And our special guest today is Derek Doak. And we're talking about investment real estate. Derek, when we were talking before the show, I was mentioning, kind of laughing myself, because when somebody comes to me and they heard you know, the show and they say, "Okay, I want to talk to those folks at Madrona about the real estate, the financial advisors. And we're not trying to sell them anything. In fact, I've, I've had this thing happen over and over where they go, you just spent our whole meeting trying to talk me out doing a DST, which is what you guys offer. Why is that? Derek, I always like to start with why wouldn't you do uh, certain things like a a Delaware statutory trust, 1031 exchange before you get into why you would. So I wanted to just spend a minute on why somebody would choose not to sell their real estate.
3: I believe the the biggest reason why you wouldn't is because it doesn't fit with what you want to do right? It doesn't fit your personality. It doesn't fit your lifestyle. It doesn't fit who you are. And we've talked about this before, which is there's individuals that just love going down to their property and visiting with the tenants. You can't replace that. That's, that's irreplaceable. And longevity in life, in my opinion, is you got to be happy with what you're doing. And if that makes you happy, then you may not want to get into something like a Delaware statutory trust or do a 1031. You want to keep that asset. And I think that's kind of one of the areas that people fall short in their thought process on our profession as brokers is they're going in there trying to make the deal, trying to get them to sell. It's like, no, understand what that client wants. Help them. Help them what they want to do. If they want to keep it, great. Give them some ideas on how to make it worth more for their own purpose.
2: Yeah, that's, that's a great comment because a lot of times there are clients of mine that that is their fun. That is their hobby. That is what they want to do. I would never want them to sell. Or maybe you know, I had a client recently. They're in their eighties, and they said, "Yeah, we listen to your show, and we we need to sell our real estate because we're getting too old." And I said, "What do you have?" And they said, "Well, we have a they have a triple net lease with a major corporation." I said, "Well, what's your rents?" And they said, they "Told me." And what are you being offered on? It? And they told me. I said, "Well, that's six and a half, seven percent in your pocket, triple net lease. Uh, any problems?" They go, "No, we just get the check every month." I said, "I can't get you that out there." So you should keep it. Yeah, but we're old. But does it add any stress to your life? No, cash flow is great. This is great. I'm like, then keep it. Like, really? You don't want our business? I said, no, I'm trying to do the right thing. Give you good advice. You know, so there are reasons sometimes when it doesn't make sense. You know, maybe you think that your your cash flow is higher. You're, you're being your own property manager. We talked about this: how uh, you look at the DST and and you say, well, I'll get X percent cash flow, but I'll get X plus one percent if I do it myself. I said, yeah, generally speaking, when you continue to work at a job, and this is a job, being your own property manager, you get paid more than if you're not working and you're retired. Does that make sense? And so that's another one of those components. Uh, any other ones that, that off the top of your head as to why someone would not want to sell? Sentimental value.
3: I've mm-hmm. got one client has a fourplex down in a very expensive area of California. The fourplex is worth millions, but it was given to him by other family members. And he will not sell it just because it's sentimental value. It has, it has purpose in his life. And that's, again, back to the, the the lifestyle for him. It means more to have that in his portfolio because he received it and appreciated it in that capacity and doesn't need it for his financial freedom.
2: Yeah, that's really good because it, it's about what, what fits in your life. Now, there's plenty of people, you know, we've done well north of $100 million of 1031 exchanges into Delaware statutory trust. So someone will come to us and say, okay, I like real estate. I want to stay in real estate. I do not want to pay the income tax. And someday I want to step up in basis so that my spouse and or heirs never pay any income tax on all the gains from my real estate and all the depreciation I've taken over the years. Check. We can do that. Okay. They want the diversification. They like institutional property. They like the idea of owning multiple types of properties uh, in different parts of the country. They like the idea of never having to get a call saying, yeah, we got to replace an HVAC. We need to replace the elevator. We need to replace a roof. That can't be done in a DST or a REIT for that matter. So they they like a lot of the components of uh, doing a DST if if they're selling a property and reinvesting, or if they don't have a Property and it's just part of their stock market portfolio. Of course, they can do uh, whether it's publicly traded real estate investment trusts or private non traded REITs. There's all kinds of ways to get into real estate. So, those are some of the reasons why you might want to do a DST. We won't spend a lot of time on the show today talking DSTs. We have other shows on DSTs, and we can certainly uh, do a deeper dive in that. But I like the the concept that you're, you're sharing with me that it's not about trying to sell something to somebody. It's trying to get to the answer that's right for them. There's pros and cons to everything, as we always say on the show. I'm sure certainly people can trust that when you talk to them, Derek, about their uh, commercial real estate, that they're going to get the straight scoop, which is why you're on the show today with us here.
3: (laughs) Well, I think great minds think alike. Fiduciary responsibility. I think that's that, that has a lot to do with it. You know, in our firm, you know, that's our focus is just what our clients needs are, not ours. You know, we're not trying to go commission to commission. We're not trying to go deal to deal. It's all about what is our client's needs and how can we help them get to that point. And there's a lot of things that we do that aren't measurable financially because we're sitting down with the client and ask them what's the purpose for this? I mean, some families, the kids or the heirs are too young to take on the responsibility of managing it. So we're the bridge. We're helping get to that next level and teaching them about the asset so they can take it over and run it if that's what they choose to do. So there's a lot to be said about, again, staying in your lane, having a fiduciary responsibility, and then looking out for the other side.
2: You also mentioned uh, before the show that your firm works somewhat with valuations and so forth, which is really important, whether it's uh, taking a partner out, it's step up in basis, it's financial planning, it's computing return on investment. Maybe speak a little bit about valuation.
3: Valuation is key. You know you can run an asset, but you got to know what the value is, and for many reasons. Usually your your estate attorney will ask for it. You know, let's get a valuation done on this. Your banker is going to want to put something in their file each year for your credit line if you have a credit line tied to it. There's all kinds of reasons to understand the value of your asset. And one of the things that we focus in on is the annual valuation of a real estate. What is that truly worth? Compare it to other things, benchmark it to other transactions in the area, look at it from the perspective of an owner as well as a broker, as well as a buyer, and say, okay, the true value of this asset is X. So I think it's important that you get a valuation done and we make it a key component of our service offering so that people know what they truly have. Not broker speak, you know, not walking in and say, I'll sell this for this many millions of dollars. You know, we've all seen it it's truly, what is it worth? Let's look at it from that perspective. And then where does it fit within your lifestyle and your portfolio?
2: I mean, I can't just pull up Zillow and find out the value of the the retail complex you're, you're, you're looking at? Nope. Because you can't see the leases. And and I, I've done a podcast on this, which is all, what do you truly buy
3: when you buy a commercial property? You're buying the value of that lease. There you go. Real estate's one thing. You got to buy that lease. And the lease is what's going to really tell you what it's worth. So if you're ever buying a piece of property, make sure someone understands leases that evaluates it and gives you the valuation of that property first.
2: You mean there's a difference between a property with one year left on its lease and one with five years left with no cost of living adjustments and one with 15 with the COLA adjustment. Is that what you're telling me, Derek? Oh, just slightly. Just slightly. Okay. But they look the same. When I drove by, there yeah. were three buildings that look exactly the same, but you're saying all three buildings have a different valuation.
3: Yeah. And it depends on where you're located too, because there's leases. When you do a lease in California, they have a step-up assessment when it's acquired, which means you as the buyer pays the tax. So here in Washington, you have an excise tax when you sell a piece of real estate, a commercial property. But in California, you get the step up. And a lot of leases with national tenants, they know that. So they put in their leases. They will not pay the assessment tax. And so, again, when you're buying a property or we mentioned earlier about maximizing the value of your property is looking at your current leases. Maybe you should go back to all your tenants and update your leases with addendums. So that your leases are stronger and more palatable for an investor, that increases your value as well. So, you know, you're buying that lease. So, working with professionals that understand that is key.
2: Yeah, there's so many uh, attributes to to owning your your own real estate that, and e- even understanding what the options are. That's something that, again, we haven't spent a lot of time talking about Delaware statutory Trust today. But what is our lane here? You know, Madrona's lane, of course, is helping people that want to look at their portfolio and maybe make a, a change. It doesn't mean selling all your real estate. You might have a portfolio of real estate and go, I, I really like half of it. I'm not too thrilled with the other half, or I just want to slow down. Maybe I want to sell that. And maybe I'm going to try and find a replacement property. I, I want to sell it and then find my own replacement property. But if that doesn't work out, sometimes the, the, they might go to someone like yourself and say, can you find me something? I got 45 days. And, you know, it's not always easy. And if, if they can't make the 45 days, maybe they come back and go, Yeah, there really wasn't anything out there quite for me And so uh, maybe we should fire up that DST discussion pretty quick because I only got 10 days left or whatever it may be. So that is an option, too. But a lot of people, they they go in knowing they want to do a DST. But I'm very supportive if they want to go to you, uh, someone like yourself, Derek, and and say, no, I'm going to try and find something. What's what's the market looking like out there?
3: Right. Well, and I want to add to that a little bit uh, strategy. Right Before you sell anything, and this is my tax hack coming on from the old days, don't sell anything without talking to your tax advisor. Let's get the tax situation understood first and then look at your strategy with your asset. So in this particular situation, like with us, we use DSTs in multiple ways. And one of the areas we use them is is I call it a filler. They still want to go buy something. They have some ideas, but they can't replace all their debt and equity with that deal. So now they can come and work with Madrona and put in that DST component and fill that gap. And so I think it's important that it has a place. It might not be the catch-all for all of it, but it could be a piece of it, or it might not be at all. You know, we've worked on plenty of clients in those conversations of having that.
2: It's funny you mentioned the taxes because certainly you know we we want to be there for to help people with good tax planning and sometimes good tax planning is paying the tax. Absolutely, you know you, you you've got a rental house. You say, well, gee, I don't want to pay the tax. And well, your gain's not that huge. You didn't haven't taken a lot of depreciation. Your tax brackets on that capital gain is fifteen percent. You know, you're you're fifty five years old. You certainly your reinvestment on something else will get that fifteen percent back at some point. You're not going to want to do ten thirty ones so the rest. of your life for that. Just pay the tax. And they're going to look at me like, I thought you were a CPA. You're supposed to tell me how to get out of taxes. It's not always important to not pay tax. The best tax planning is is knowing you're going to pay tax, but paying it at the lowest rate that you can pay. Yes,
3: absolutely. And when you consider your tax brackets today versus down the road, our nation, as we all know, we got a lot of debt. (laughs) It's got to get paid somehow. And so we've been on the chopping block, meaning we, meaning commercial real estate and 1031s. And we've been up on the block many times. Every conversation comes with, let's get some more of that tax. So, you know, who knows where you're going to be? If you're going to pay a capital recapture tax now, which is going to be less than what your personal tax is, why not? Because you got the benefit back when it was a higher tax bracket. So that's why, again, I don't try to play a tax advisor. I don't play one on TV. And that's why I have Brian in my corner.
1: (laughs)
2: Appreciate that. And so, yeah, we'll we'll wrap it up here. But uh, uh, I think it's been a really good uh, discussion, just kind of really the the point of the show is to get you thinking about things and get you thinking about, yeah, maybe maybe there is some options available that I I don't know fully and I can vet those and and feel like uh, I can talk to people that will give me the straight scoop. So that's that's really what today was about. If you own investment real estate or want to be an investor in investment real estate, you don't have to be a landlord or maybe you are. But certainly there's there's lots of options out there, lots of different kinds of things. We, we could do this for hours, but we're, we're coming up against the end of the show here. So I just want to thank you, Derek, for coming on the show today. And certainly uh, if uh, you have questions for Derek, you can contact our office. We'll, we'll get the contact information over there. Uh, but thanks for being on the show today, Derek.
3: Well, thank you, Brian. This is great. I love doing these types of things with you. And uh, being around your knowledge just makes me smarter.
2: Ah, I appreciate that. I'll give you a tchotchke on the way out. I think it was free water today is what it Yes, it was. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, I appreciate you all listening to the show today. And that's what we had on commercial real estate investing for today.
0: No statements made during the Growing Your Wealth radio show shall constitute tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own legal or tax professional on your individual information. Brian Evans of Madrona Financial Services is licensed to offer investment advisory services through Madrona Financial Services, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Insurance products are offered through Madrona Insurance Services, LLC, a licensed insurance agency, and an affiliate of Madrona Financial Services. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Investors cannot invest directly into indexes. No investment strategy, including asset allocation or diversification, guarantees a profit or guarantees the avoidance of loss. Financial planning is an important tool that does not guarantee specific outcomes
1: inflation frustration. You probably don't know what that means, but if you bought a gallon of milk for $1.50 in 1975 and you just went to the store to pay more than double that today, well, I hate to break it to you, but you're experiencing inflation frustration. One of the most important things to plan for, especially in retirement, is inflation. It can happen while you're not paying attention and seriously damage your buying power and longevity of funds. If your investment strategy isn't dealing with inflation frustration, then you're putting yourself at risk. I'm Madrona Financial Services designs retirement plans that take things like inflation, future health care expenses, and exposure to unnecessary risk into account when creating unique retirement plans. Call Madrona Financial Services right now for something that's not impacted by inflation. A free financial review with no obligation. Call 844-MADRONA, 844-MADRONA, or visit them online at madronafinancial.com. That's madronafinancial.com. If there's a way for you to retire one year sooner wouldn't you want to do it how about five years sooner
2: it may be possible and we're here to help hi this is brian evans owner of madrona financial services and bauer evans cpas and if you're within five years of retirement we may be able to help you get to where you want to be faster than you thought possible Our goal is to help you retire when you want to without compromising the length or security of your financial future. We'll learn about your total financial picture, including your tax situation, and learn about your goals now and in retirement. Then we'll create a customized plan to help you get there on your timetable. What if you could say goodbye to work sooner than you thought? What if you could start doing the things that you'd always dreamed of now instead of later? Call Madrona Financial Services at 844-MADRONA or schedule an appointment online for a no-obligation comprehensive financial review. Call 844-MADRONA, that's 844-M-A-D-R-O-N-A, or visit us online at madronafinancial.com.